I'm in Max, 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 Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Max. Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 19 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. <laughs> I'm Kadev. And I'm Kurt. Kurt. And I'm Kurt, yes. <clears throat> in this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Trenchwork writes in with a clarification for his remote sometimes player. Uh, MJ in Georgia uh, writes in about character personality and group compatibility. And Graf from Germany sends us a thank you and a confession. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Uh, we have social medias. We have uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe, Happy Jacks RPG. G, all one word. That's Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. And if you'd like to, did I, did I say this email part yet? If you'd like to email us, email happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. If you would like to send us an email, if you want to watch the show live, we're on Saturdays at 8 or 11.04 a.m. Pacific time until after the first of the year. Then we're probably going to switch back to Friday nights. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that will happen. And, and the forum is no more. And the forum, the forum is gone. But uh, I think we still have a pretty thriving Discord. That, there is? Yes, there's, there is a fan Discord you can go to, and I don't know where that is. Uh, and, oh, and if you want to watch us live, happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live. Um, before we get into the emails, there's something I have to... I've been trying to get some sort of like beer sponsorship thing for literally decades. I started a band about beer <laughs> waiting for someone to send me free beer because we write so we write and sing and perform so many songs about beer and it's never happened I mean, we get free beer occasionally but no one's ever actually gone to the things that hey i'm recognizing that you are an important person when it comes to beer we're going to send you free shit that's what i'm talking about and that's never happened before a beer influencer a beer influencer exactly and of course, I would also probably be the oldest influencer on the internet. Not for beer influencers. No, Robert I Robert I, Reich. Robert Reich is. A I see, but he's not a. First off, he's not a beer influencer. No, no, that's true. That's a good point. Besides, who's going to trust a young beer influencer? Right. Really. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I just got to. I got this care package. They, I got a call from the publicist from from New Holland Brewery. Or New New Holland Brewing Company, I think is the name, actual official name of the place, and they've got this uh, uh, Dragon's Milk Stout. And I'm not going to drink. It. It's 11 a.m. here, so I'm not going to drink this yet because I'm still in coffee mode. But they sent me a bottle of beer, and here's my bottle of beer that they sent. And Dave actually has some there I'll too. Drink it. You can drink it. it uh, mm. Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel Aged Stout. 11% alcohol so by volume. It's not like you're going to do anything today. There's like a, you're not going to go anywhere. By you my, might as well. I'm, I'm, I haven't even finished my first my first cup of coffee yet. Stout my, and my coffee stomach, go very well together. Yeah, they might. They might. Especially coffee stouts. They also, yes. would be. They also yeah. sent me a little Dragon's Milk uh, bourbon barrel aged stout glass that has That's like a little awesome little thingy on there and it says there logo it yeah back. and then the coolest thing they sent me which is just like a little promotional deal is what looks like a 1980s video game box and it even, i don't know if you can tell when they printed this they even printed it so it looks like it's worn out like you know the edges get like, kind yeah, of worn. That's awesome. like super cool so it nice looks, attention to detail right isn't that yeah. awesome and it kind of go ahead 
It's totally obvious that these guys are gamers too, because you, there's no way you would go to that level of detail if you didn't have worn out game books in your collection. Yeah, if you weren't playing wizardry back on the old, <laughs> or even just a D and D box. I mean, because it does yeah. kind of harken back to the AD and D cover as well. It's got the same it sort of color scheme going on. The See, that's what I thought it, when I first got it. That's what I thought. Oh my god, it's like the it's like an old version of the D and D box set, yeah. and then it comes with like it comes with this this little book. It's now. It's this is just a journal, so the, oh, you can. But I open it up. I'm like, oh shit! Did they like write a role playing game? No, they didn't write a role playing game. But <laughs> but it looks it looks like they did. So it comes with a little. It, it comes with a little journal. It's really really cool. And then the <laughs> coolest thing that I th- not I thought this was the coolest thing because it Does is it come with dice. No, it comes with floppy disks that aren't really floppy disks. Yeah, they're fucking so beer mats. <laughs> yes. goddamn coasters. But they look like little three three five floppies. <laughs> Dragon's Milk wins. Isn't that awesome? That I'm is like, okay, truly yeah. Awesome. You not only have you figured out. First off, you sent me free beer in a little promotional package, but then you sent me free the free beer that is being promoted in exactly the way that that would victimize me. <laughs> right? We are old enough to remember when we had to in, like install a game with like oh, yeah. 32 floppy disks. Yeah. Like, I can remember two a hours. bunch of floppy disks to install. I don't know what it was. It might have been EverQuest. It might have been, I don't know. But it was like, and you had to have them in the order, and you had to wait, and the light yep. was going, oh, man. Now, apparently, it looks I there's mean, a, there's a link on here. I'm not sp- sure if I'm supposed to give it out because it says it's for VIPs. <laughs> but there may actually be an online version of this game. I will look while we're while we're doing the show, and if it, if it is... That's red. So, so would that be a beer PG? Yes, I guess it would be. Yeah, and it's it, and th- this the box even says that that, that it is uh, Dragon's Milk Experience copyright nineteen ninety seven. No, the Dave's box. actually drinking one right now. Do yeah. you want to give a review of it? What's uh, uh, you well, say that you were actually a fan of it before? Yeah, yeah. Like when Stu first put out the word that he was getting beer sent from this company. Um, like he sent it on our our Happy Jack Slack that he's like, I finally made it. <laughs> um, but uh, he was like, Yeah, we're gonna like, uh, it's super cool, and it's from this like Dragon's Milk stuff. And I was like, Dude, that that is that's the beer that for the last five or six years of Game Cons I take as my special beer that I drink for the live podcast. On, on the podcast so like when he said that I was like I haven't had any in a while like this staying at home thing I haven't been going out and buying a ton of beer mm. yeah but if you're going to drink a 7% if you're going to drink a 7% beer you might as well be staying at home for it I mean yeah totally but <laughs> the uh, so I, I as soon as Stu set that out I, I ordered a few <laughs> and I was like it makes me happy it's, it's <laughs> just it is absolutely delicious uh, I yeah. If if you were to give a you know a haughty wine type review, how would you say? Is it sort of Episcopalian in its pretentiousness? Is, uh, it, no. is it is it is it finished like a, a an old sweat sock or I mean how how is it? It's uh so it's very very smooth. Um, a lot of times when you get like the bourbon barrel or like alcohol barrel aged beers, they get a sharp note to them at the end and this they have just rounded that out beautifully with the whole stout thing like it's got a little bit of sweetness but it's not something that you'd think oh well this is like a dessert beer 
Um, and at the end of the day, it's 11%. So you don't that's, have to have that many to get <clears throat> there. No, that's a glass of wine. Like, or, yeah. yeah, it's good to go. Um, and is it like a, it's a really dark stout? Is it like yes. a... Yeah, it's it's very, very dark if you pour it. It's as black as your background. Mm-hmm. Black as his shriveled old soul. It's it's it's, it's Vanta black. It's yeah. Van, Vanta stout. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, there's a there's a VIP code on here, but without the VIP code, and sometime at five p.m. today, I guess, and it looks like it's a like it looks like it's some kind of adventure game. It kind of reminds me of um, oh, what was that pirate one? Like Curse of Monkey Monkeys Island. Island. Yeah, Monkeys Island. But, but it looks like it looks like it's a web it's some, like a web based adventure game. So horde.dragonsmilk.com These guys went the extra is mile that, with all these hidden Easter eggs. I, I salute them. Yeah, is awesome. that is that horde H O R D E or H O A R D? H O A R D. Thank you. All right. Uh, Makes a difference. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start uh, remote play unless one of you wants to read the first email. Because there's only there's four of us and three emails. I'll go. Uh, hello there, Jackers. I have to apologize uh, for not uh, sending this earlier, but life has been rather hectic with COVID nineteen. Uh, I felt uh, fell behind on listening to your podcast to know that you'd read my first email and needed me to write back to clarify. Sorry for the delay. No worries. Uh, just uh, I wrote you several months. Well, he explains the whole thing, so I don't need to explain it myself. Uh, <clears throat> I wrote you several months ago to ask for ideas that might engage my gaming friend's daughter remotely in a game that we're going to play as she won't be able to attend the game in person. Uh, this game takes place in the 1980s as and is intended for adults who were alive back then. The daughter heard me talking with her dad about the game and was very interested in the idea of in-person RPG that could involve urban legends, which she is very into. <clears throat> She's never done any RPGs in person and is only familiar with computer RPGs, so this is fairly foreign to her, and she is trepidatious about being at the game in person. So remote interaction seems to be her happy, comfortable place. Uh, for now. Um, uh, this may very well change once she gets a taste, and several of the members of this group have kids, so we, we are actively planning family-friendly games that are designed to include and entertain the kids in our lives. This particular game is not one of them, though. Most of the people in our group are public school teachers, paramedics, firefighters, and law enforcement officers, and other essential workers. So this has been a, a, So this year has been hell on us. Uh, this is our game to decompress and relax, and the conversation is definitely not safe for work or kids, for that matter. Just the banter, not the game subject matter, <clears throat> which is why everyone involved was really comfortable with the phone call interaction with the kiddo. I will mention at this point that they were talking about having her be like sort of like a, like a remote member of the party, but not really a member of the party, but like a an asset they can reach out to. Sure. To get information, right. yeah. yeah. Well, like, um, if you're familiar with comic books, there's a character called Oracle from the Batman universe, and she's sort of oh, this. Yeah. Or, or if you're, if you watch kids uh, of a certain age, Kim Possible had a person that kept calling them in with missions. It's, or if you, uh, uh, you watch more it, modern, yeah, the Arrowverse has a uh, uh, Overwatch, which is they they actually made a joke about how Oracle was taken as a code name. It's sort of the person in the chair archetype or or trope. And Abby in NCIS. 
half yeah. the time she's just a, the remote font of information. That's it. I've almost Garcia been, in Criminal Minds. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Garcia in Criminal Minds. Same thing. Um, uh, let's see. Just inventor. Um, uh, just the banter, not the game subject, which was everyone involved in the interaction on the phone. Uh, it would have a finite time frame, and we wouldn't keep her up too late so she could do her schooling in the morning. We often game on school nights and well past when she should be asleep in her house over an hour away. I hope this clears up why she is not uh, going to be at the gaming table for this particular game. We aren't just excluding her because she is young or female. This kiddo is uh, like a goddaughter to me, and I can't wait for her to, for her to game in person with us. So back to my original question, do y'all have a, a novel ideas that will help grab her imagination and fire her enthusiasm for playing running RPGs in this odd situation? Love the work you do. Trenchworks the medic. So no ways to make it interesting for her to be this font of information that they would use like it early on in the game session. Well, th- the thing that comes to mind is literally have her do a little bit of homework or something because this is the 80s. So there is no, there is no Google, right? And so if they have a question about something, have her Google it for them. Like, have her go to the Wikipedia page, and she can read off the Wikipedia page to them. And so that gives her a bit of involvement. It gives her something to do. Little kids are great at the Internet. And and then she can hear you guys react to it. You know, like, oh, my God, she's so smart. How does she know? Because she has a LexisNexis account. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, but that way, that way it gives her... Uh, I don't even know like, if those were around in the 80s. Effect in the game, you know? I was thinking. For sure, for sure. I was thinking with with the the, the fact that she's uh, uh, is interested in urban legends, is y- using that as a as a sort of formulaic monster of the week sort of uh, thing. Like like whatever each each mystery has to do with some sort of urban legend because there's there were tons of them and I'm sure there's a repository of them somewhere. And what he what he could do is as part of his game prep says, hey, I'm going to do a um, a game based on Ooh, this, this urban legend. Well, Slenderman's not 80s, but the the exploding cactus full of uh, tarantulas. Oh yeah, spiders. Okay, let's start with that. That easy. Still keeps me up at night. Right. So or no the, cactuses in my house. I think no cactuses. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 twitching cactus that explodes <laughs> and it's full of tarantula eggs or whatever. Oh yeah. Right. So start with something like that, and let her do the do the research online and find out about all the details of it, so that she can basically present them like a case. Like, oh yeah, okay, we're dealing with this, and here's what I've been able to find out. Blah 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 blah. And also, pregame, have her share her her research with the GM, so the GM can take the research she came up with and sort of weave what the mystery is going to be, whether it's going to be real or it's going to be a you know a fake. Like a, it really is an urban legend, or you know, it's ba- in this in this one case, it's based on you know actual reality, which obviously is more interesting. It's the old man in a mask would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for yeah. the exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think it, that would be interesting because that that would kind of sort of integrate her not only as a player but also kind of a little bit as a GM. Because and then all that all the crazy shit that we Google online when we're running a game. That would get us put off on a watch list, or <laughs> yeah. get her put on the watch list instead. 
<laughs> I was talking about that at work. I can guarantee you were on watch list. Oh, you know, oh my God. Explaining. Like, there's time when you know, you're playing a superhero game and somebody wants to blow up a building. Like, How do you blow up a building? Like, How much C4 sure. does it take to bring down a building? <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. In right. fact, this conversation is probably enough for us to end up on a watch list. Mm-hmm. But it happens to anybody who games. and you know, Someday we're going to end up with uh, Jesse Ventura and uh, Alex Trebek knocking on my door. We'd like to talk to you. Well, uh, not Trebek anymore, but yeah. Audio scene. Maybe so. That's the scariest part. You know, that's that a great way to a great way to get off the public <laughs> grid there, and uh, you know, back into your. Uh, but anyway, to, to going back to this question here, I I agree with you. It'd also be really cool if the she and the GM just talk a little bit, and then she's able to maybe just do a little research or just have a little summary because it sounds like she's interested in these things anyway. Because if she gets too much detail, it's gonna spoil the ending kind of thing like well, well, she's, but she's not playing she's not playing in the games and, and right. she's only in the beginning of it so that if you use her as sort of like you know here's the here's the setup she's charlie for charlie's angels that's exactly what yeah. i was thinking exactly that's a great idea and then she can she can read off a little paragraph that she's written about it and maybe she just does it from her memory if she's into it herself but it, it, it's also fun for her to do more research into some of these urban legends because because we're old guys we might know more than she knows and she'd be like the tarantula cactus i had no idea about and she's sure. very excited to write a little summary about it well, remember that someone had that. the sore on the arm and they got bit by a spider and it laid eggs inside of their on their face it's usually on their face. There was that. There's that one. There's there's a lot about spider eggs, but that, I'm trying to remember because those things used to Earwigs. spread in the in the eighties and nineties before the internet, before there was a Snopes. You used to hear all these crazy stories. The the kidney, the the guy waking up in the in the bathtub full of ice, and there's a note saying to call note in a phone saying to call nine one one because you don't have any kidneys. That kind of shit. Yeah. And then there's you know the Mothman. And all of these things that yeah. just before it was because back yeah. in the day people could doctor a photo and go look what we found and nowadays yeah. you can you know get it up on the internet and read all the metadata and go come on yeah. <laughs> I mean you've got all the various classic cryptids yeah. uh, you know whether it's um, uh, Nessie or the Jersey Devil or um, you know Sasquatch Sasquatch you know whatever um, Chupacabra. Chupacabra, absolutely. the Lake Tahoe Nessie, the Lake Tahoe Nessie, <laughs> yeah, God, oh, uh, awesome. uh, Lake Champlain, uh, uh, Champ, that's yeah, it, Champ, a, yep. yeah, Champ, who uh, in uh, Lake Champlain. Oh, there's the urban, um, there's the urban legend about someone who got a capybara and brought it back from Central America, thinking it was a dog. Well, there's the other one I heard, which is the Mexican rat, where they got a really sick chihuahua and they bring it to the vet, and uh, the vet's like, "This isn't a dog; it's a rat." Well, they, they, usually that story is a capybara because a capybara is a rodent, but they're, yeah. they're freaking huge. They're like they're three feet this, long. Yeah, they're yeah. bigger than chihuahuas. They're much bigger than chihuahuas. I think, I think the urban vet is called the Mexican pet, and there's variations on it. And I think a chupacabra could probably eat a chihuahua. Uh, if a chupacabra could, but a uh, capybara yeah. is a is a vegetarian. So, okay, a capybara. I'm thinking. Oh, is capybara? Yeah. They're vegetarian. Uh, they're they're before, insectivore. Yeah. Yeah. I think insectivore. Almost almost all almost all rodents are are uh, are herbivores except for rats and a, a few others. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought they were all sort yeah, of... Yeah, otherwise you'd be board. assaulted by beavers and, and, <laughs> and muskrats every time we went into the to the wild. Can you imagine? <laughs> all right. I say almost I, all. I'm, somebody's going to write in and say, actually, you know, such and such rodents are omnivores or, or carnivores or whatever. But yeah, they're opportunists, but still, yeah, scavengers. Yeah, rats are are 
are not unique, but but uh, particularly uh, anomalous amongst rodents for eating meat. So. <laughs> Discount insects, but I'm not going to get into discourse. About well, insect- <laughs> yeah, well, insectivores. I, I, they, I think they distinguish between insectivores and carnivores. Aren't they? To really? a certain extent, yeah. I think. I think. Uh, okay. So, any other any other ideas for them about how to? I, I mean, depends on how much work the GM wants to do. But like, the GM could even make like, you know, like a. a Henry Jones Sr. Grail Diary of Urban Legends and give it to her ahead of time. Oh, yeah. And then be like, here, here's all these things that, you know, that, you know, the crazy old librarian that disappeared left behind and you found it when you went to check out your favorite book on, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, fairy portals, uh, you know, or, or, Whatever. My, my daughter's had a bunch of those books as a kid, like the Dragonology books and the Fairytale mm-hmm. books, and, the, and they're like scrapbooks of like dragon, you know, there's bits and pieces. It's, they're very cool reading because they're really interactive. Yeah. yeah but yeah, something yeah. like that would be really neat. But, like even, I mean, you know, it could even go as far as to have like, uh, you know, like a fold out little mini map of an area so that they could describe it over the phone. Like, oh, it looks like this cave's in a forest, or it's. Sort of near the Y in a river, or you know, stuff yeah. like that. You could even create a whole backstory for her too. Like she's really from the future, so this is very much like Twelve Monkeys thing. Is she's calling back to let these people know what's going on? Well, according to Ziggy, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it could be a lot of fun. There's a lot of places to go, but definitely having her set this stuff up and read this stuff is really cool. If you want to pre-record it, you could do that, but I think it'd be neat to just do it live, you know, and then she could hear everybody yeah, yeah. sort of interacting with her for a half hour or whatever it is. Also, I totally sympathize with the, like, 80s game set that's made for those of us that lived through it, because uh, I, I, you know, people that listen to the show know I'm a huge fan of the... Uh, Tales from the Loop universe from Free League. Um, and I tried to run it with younger people once. <laughs> and it was very... Ni- it didn't land right at all. Like, it it was... Like, they were like, well, why can't we just do this? And I'm like, well, you can't, because that's not a thing. They didn't like, have cell phones. Your computer didn't hit, hook up to the internet unless you were super computer nerd. And the internet was... <laughs> And it wasn't an internet. internet. It was you. You dialed up some other dude's house. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the old bulletin board things with a three hundred baud modem. I lived those days. It was awful. You're kind of. I'm sorry, Stu. I was having a hard time understanding you there. Your sound got weird. Is it better? Is it better now? Oh yeah. Yeah, maybe is it better now? Too low. Hello? Yeah, it's much testing. Yeah, I I, I, remember, I had a Commodore sixty four with a dial up modem, a three hundred sure. baud modem. And it we was, and, and he watches this. You read, you read the the text as it's as it's transmitted, and you can read faster than the than the data transmission rate. Yeah, <laughs> we had a well. we had a nine hundred baud uh, on a probably on a, a twelve Mac uh, on old Mac, and I, I mean you're talking about loading games that 
took 32 floppies. I also remember when not only did the game fit on one floppy, but the operating system fit on that same floppy because there was no hard drive. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I remember AOL used to send us floppies in the mail to install their system, and you wouldn't use AOL, but you would just rewrite over the floppies so that you could use the storage. Thanks for the free storage. I used um, a little piece of tape over that right protect hole, yeah, and then they exactly. Right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> even worse, uh, when you went out to buy a new video game for your Commodore or Amiga, and you got the box home, and you opened it up, and you just got a little spiral bound book, and you had to sit there for two and a half hours to program in the game. Oh, right. <laughs> Remember, Zork did that, and I think, uh, I think no, I Zork, you, no, Zork came on a came on a, a floppy. I don't game. remember it on a floppy. Up. I remember having to go and type into some. It was well, you a gotta, no Zork. You type in Zork, but no Zork. Was no, no. A, to get the game downloaded, I had to go somewhere, and it was like Dave was describing. I you was were, like you were pirating. Times. You were pirating it. Possibly. <laughs> no, I didn't, Better watch out. Those Infocom lawyers are coming after you right now. <laughs> back in the Commodore sixty four days, I had hundreds and hundreds of floppy disks of 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 pirated games and he used to take the five and a quarter floppies and you'd get the one of those little hole punch things because you could make them double-sided they didn't come that way unless you bought them they're more expensive double-sided but they put the coating on both sides in the disc anyway so you just make it put a little uh get a hole punch and put a little thing and you could flip it over and then you had a double-sided disc Mm -hmm. yeah we're old yeah I can remember it. It wasn't even that long ago. It was like when I was in my other house, even still having dial up. And I remember the day I clicked over. This is when Lord of the Rings was first dropping. And I wanted to watch the trailers because I remember he was, Peter Jackson was posting updates and stuff. And I was so excited for Lord of the Rings. And I remember spending all day once having a download. I like went to work and I came back and the download stopped like, you know, 15 minutes before it was fully loaded and had to start all over again. And that's when I blew a gasket. And then got like was it DSL or probably what was it? no it was yeah. still through the phone line but it was something ISBN okay getting out ISBN someone mentioned something, something like someone's being persnickety about a nine hundred baud modem I don't remember one either I remember three hundred twelve hundred ninety six hundred fourteen point four it might have been a twelve hundred it might have been a twelve hundred I remember I had a thirty two there was after a four uh, fourteen point four was the thirty two k and I think that was the last dial up modem if you wanted faster no, than that I think you was, had to go to dsl was, didn't you oh no there, there was no, a ninety six there was there was fourteen four there was twenty eight eight and there was fifty six twenty eight okay twenty eight I remember twenty eight eight I don't remember I may have gotten dsl after that so I, I bought at one time. I bought a special modem that was a add-in board that you plug in, and it actually had two 56k modems on it. <laughs> so you could tie so up two plug phone it into lines. Two different phone lines, <laughs> and you could dial up, and then it would download simultaneously through two connections wow. to get you 128.8. Boy, woo! <laughs> this house that I live in now, the guy that lived here worked at JPL. Anyway, I went down to the basement to like get lines, phone lines hooked up, and they had like that going on. And that's exactly what was going on. See, because, you know, back in the day, that was yeah. as fast the internet con- connection as he could get, was basically having two phone lines dedicated to the internet. So, yeah. Boy, we're old. Yes. Yeah. Horror stories. Right. Nobody cares. Character personality and group compatibility from MJ in Georgia. Who would like to go on? I'll take this one. Uh, I'm not sure how to start this. I've never sent you folks at Happy Jackson email before, 
My name is MJ, and I live in Georgia. Hi, MJ. Hi, MJ. I've been playing tabletop RPGs on and off since the early 80s, ranging from GURPS. Yeah! He's not listening. From <laughs> Yeah! There he goes. <laughs> ranging from GURPS yeah. to, White Wolf, <laughs> to White Wolf games. Since COVID, I have been watching a lot of streams and videos of people playing various TTRPGs and have noticed what seems to be a pattern to me. Also, please overlook any spelling or grammar errors. No. Um, I haven't found any yet. Um, I won't go into a list of the various shows I've watched, but let me say it's a lot. In a home game environment, playing just with friends, I never really noticed any issues with character personality types and or group compatibility. But I have noticed something with streamed or recorded play sessions, and I am curious what your take on what your take is on this. I have noticed that a number of these shows always seem to have these overly aggressive, needlessly prickish character personality types. I'm feeling attacked. <laughs> Uh, granted, in some cases, these personality types are consistent with the character archetype, such as the abrasive half-orc who is an a-hole as a survival mechanism. Uh, however, I am noticing more and more that the players in these other games tend to play perpetually rude, aggressive douche nozzles that are always looking for a fight. They meet a new NPC, and their first interaction with the character is to be insulting, belittling, degrading, and just downright hostile for no apparent reason. This seems to be a recurring behavior, whether it's a steady group of friends or just random people coming together for the first time. <clears throat> Though this does seem to happen more often with strangers thrown together than longtime groups. Almost as if they're trying to one-up each other in who can be the bigger douchebag. Am I seeing something that's not there? Perhaps it's just the sessions that grab my attention that have these douchey characters. Am I just noticing the a-hole characters more because I find them annoying and boring, played out and overly overly used? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> what are your thoughts on needlessly aggressive douchebag characters? On a related note, could you give some advice or share your thoughts on personality types with regard to group compatibility? You have four players sitting at your table and everyone creates a stoic pragmatist or realist personality type that do that don't mind getting their hands dirty for their characters, except for that one person who creates an, uh, an overly bubbly, exuberant character that refuses to fight unless forced to. Perhaps they tried take, talking to their opponent, trying Fuck to... Fuck that. Trying <laughs> <Sorry>. to, <laughs> please stop talking to my experience points. Right. Uh, <laughs> trying and uh, avoid conflict beyond all reasonable sense. Such as a group of NPC criminals <coughs> hell-bent on killing one or more members of the group, and that one player argues, let me talk to them first. <laughs> Is personality type compatibility something you consider as part of creating a group dynamic? Or do, you or do you think just letting a player play whatever personality type they want, regardless of group dynamic, is fine? It only really being an issue when it makes the game less enjoyable. What are your thoughts on these two things? Um, I, I, I will say, um, the, one of the, the first campaign, first campaign I ever ran, um, which was D and D fourth edition. Um, and after eight months of this game meeting fortnightly, um, I had to call the game because after eight months, the, 
six players had not gelled into a party. I mean, like the players had not not the characters. The players couldn't get along, and I was like, "Well, this was a bad choice of players on my part." And I have been much more um, careful about that in the games I've run since. I haven't always been good at it, but you don't really know that going in. You know, you see a bunch of people that are your friends, and you, you think, "Well, let's just get them together and see what happens." It, it, yeah, there's some telltale people like you wouldn't put together. You just know, but other times you just like, "Why? Why wouldn't they get along?" And then, you know sure it, it doesn't happen yeah um, you can't blame yourself for that fully oh no no i i, I never blame myself <laughs> have you met me uh, <laughs> actually that's not true i blame myself for everything but um, it's all uh, your fault but uh no i, I mean it, it it it's a tricky thing and having run at cons where you get you know a true roll of the dice in terms of who shows up to the table um you know, it, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. Um, if you have the uh, luxury of being able to pick and choose who your players are, like some of us do, um, then I, I would actually try to uh, try to try to work with that because we all have that we all have that one friend. Some of us have more than the one who. You know, you've known them for a long time, and they are um, loyal and abrasive and friendly and caustic. Hey, and- I'm right here. <laughs> We're both sitting right here. <laughs> not Dave. He's not caustic. No, Dave's not abrasive at all. Dave's soft and fluffy. <laughs> and witty and charming. I've got nothing to argue with there, especially the fluffy part. And, and although you might really enjoy playing with that person, you know that that they probably won't get along with a lot of other people. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a tricky thing. I think... I don't... As far as as far as far the, 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 the shows that you've been watching, I don't know what you've been watching, but I have not seen that much in the, in the shows that I've been... Uh, the the uh, the streamed games that I've been watching, and I've been watching a lot of them since working from home. So I think if there if there are if there are people who are streaming them for others' consumption, not simply for their own game, but if they're if they're like streaming on, on Twitch like we do and shit like that, <laughs> I I wonder if it is people who who have the sort of somewhat mistaken belief that shocking equals entertainment. Because sometimes it sometimes it does. We know, we know that more than a lot of people do. But there's also a line, and there is. I've seen I, I've seen people do things and 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 try. They're like constantly trying to push the envelope and constantly trying to shock, in an attempt to sort of uh, like outdo each other. Or they, or they, they're yes. equating that as entertainment in and of itself, and it isn't. Yeah, yeah. I have definitely seen stream games where the people there are trying to, trying to one up each other, or trying to keep being the big personality at a table. Like sometimes it happens, sometimes it totally doesn't. Even when you have really big personalities at a table, but like I have definitely seen some that, yeah, it's. 
it's kind of like, okay, maybe everybody should just take a step back and, like, remember that we're here to play a game as a group. Right? Like, it's not always about being the star of a show. Like, sometimes being an ensemble cast is awesome. Yeah. And Um, and, and, a lot lot of people uh, do seem to forget the second rule of improv. Because the first rule is yes, and we all know that one. We all know that rule. The second rule is listen. Yes, it's hard to yes and if you don't know what the what the person just said. Because you, yeah. you if everything after <laughs> and is ignored. <laughs> There's the opposite is also true. I was talking to a guy at work who's got a really quiet player, and he was a little concerned about his fun. Right, because he just yeah. doesn't doesn't fart off, or maybe it just takes him a little while longer to process what the scene is, and by the time he's done with that, <clears throat> it, everybody's moved on. And sometimes the bigger personalities take over. I, I was describing to him too about just sometimes there's just people that are sort of you know natural performers and are, are louder, and so they jump in immediately. And it's like it, you have to like we always say you have to have the big boy conversation. Everybody sits down and says, you know, give everybody a chance to. to to shine or give them a moment right um but also going back to the whole thing about watching stuff online i'm very conscious of when i'm gaming that it is also a performance that i'm being recorded for and there is an element there's more of an element of performance attached to it than i would be if i was just gaming when i'm not being filmed and i think that that also explains part of the douchebag character that you're seeing because a lot of people are trying to move the story along do something that seems interesting and sometimes just throwing wrenches just to make it a more of an interesting story to watch because when you're not being filmed or even back in the day sometimes there were whole game sessions where we were indecisive and didn't do anything sometimes you need that character to say Screw it, I'm going down that hallway. You guys sit around and talk some more while I go and do this. Okay, sorcerer. Sometimes you need that guy, right? I'm not saying that it's always a good thing, but sometimes you need that guy to to move the story forward. Because I think Stu has complained. Like, I think our, our, in our original Just do Vampire something, game, like, do anything. Yeah, you even said that. You were like, just do something. I promise you there's no wrong thing you can do. Just do something. Just do it's anything. Been four sessions, you guys haven't done anything. What are you so. doing is putting pins in things. <laughs> you know, the, 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 one of the things I think... That that uh, I mean, just speaking more generally about character compatibility, character personality compatibility, is before everyone makes their characters have that converse, the tone conversation. I mean, I personally, I'm, I wouldn't say like, okay, everyone make a character that can get along with everyone else. That's boring to me. I would rather see the have a party where it's like, okay, here's sort of the tone we're looking for. We're either looking for you know, like a, a gritty, realistic tone, or we're looking for, you know, like a four-color comic book tone, or whatever it is. Whatever kind of tone you want for the game. Not what specifically happens in it, but sort of like the flavor that you want for it. And have people build characters into that flavor. Even if the characters themselves aren't compatible with each other and don't get along at first, that can make an interesting story. 
That is part of yeah. the story. Is what ha- how these characters, how these characters are transformed from who they start out as. Maybe they don't trust each other. Maybe they hate each other. I mean, we always like give shit to the whole idea that oh, everyone meeting in a tavern it's so cliche and boring and blah blah blah. Well, it is, but it doesn't have to be. Because you could have four strangers thrust into a situation where they don't know each other, where for a you know a limited amount of time they're forced to trust each other because suddenly for this at this one moment in time all of their goals are pointed in the same direction, and see what you know that's part of the story is the transformation of these four people who don't know each other or don't like each other into a group of people who do come together and do whatever it is that needs to be done to save the day and that is part of it and i think that is more that that transformation to me is more interesting than the having the one character who's just going to be a dick to everyone else because i like i've been watching um, the 68 seasons of NCIS recently. And <laughs> NCIS or NCIS, and I'm okay. now I'm now in season 17 or 18. I'm in the almost the most recent season. Oh, you're halfway through. And I, I remember, well, Tony Dinozo was gone. That was the oh, okay. one of the yeah. main characters for like the first what 35 years of the show. Right. So. Um, and Tony Dinoza's character was a prick through most of it. And and he would like start to be a prick and then all of a sudden he'd show a little bit of humanity and then he'd become a prick again for a while and then he'd be a little human again. And it like you can almost tell like it took the actors a few years to kind of get see w- what the vibe of that character was going to be. But as time went on the character sort of transformed. That to me is interesting. He was a horribly unlikable character to me when I first watched the first I don't know two dozen seasons of the show and and as time went on and his and character started to mature because he basically was a frat boy mm-hmm. kind of sure and, yeah. and 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 he basically kind of transformed into someone who isn't quite as much of a prick and when he when he left the show i'm like oh, i'm gonna miss him now <laughs> whereas if he had left you know five seasons in oh thank god they get rid of that guy so, yeah. and, and that makes it. I think having those, those having characters have those transformative moments, and let the players know too. I mean, if you want, if you want to have a characters where there's party conflict, that's fine. Make sure everyone's on board with it. And and I don't think you need to actually sit down and have like the writers' table where everyone discusses what's going to happen with the personalities of the characters as the game goes on. Let the game figure that out. Right, figure that out as the story happens, and let that kind of happen organically. But I think it's okay if someone starts to have starts out with a character who you know is abrasive with the rest of the party, and let's see what happens. Someone does another player character save that character's life at some point, and maybe suddenly that person becomes a little more humble. That would be yeah, an interesting everybody, story. Everybody loves Wolverine for that very reason. You know, he was sort of the outsider, and he was abrasive. He was a dick, and he, you know, he. But he was he's the rent store in the parties. But then, as the as the X Men franchise wears on, he becomes much more, and everybody loves it, right? And uh, Ahsoka Tano, the same thing. When Dave Filoni created her, he made her really annoying, and he got so much hate mail for her when he first created her. But originally, made, made his who? whole thought was made who? Ahsoka Tano. Oh, oh yeah, Dave, and Dave Filoni from Clone Wars, who directed and wrote that. And when she first showed up, he got hate mail. People hated her, and by the time Clone Wars ended, she was the most loved character. I loved, I loved her from the right from the beginning. I loved, but I that was his that plan character. to begin with. He made her annoying and young, and she, and she had a character arc. Where Which is, she yeah, she started out as a whiny teenager. 
Exactly. And people people couldn't stand her at first. And but he knew he had a couple of episodes that already plotted out where he they were going to be transformative for her. So and they, and that, she also had a very is very interesting. And she had a very tragic arc in her story too. I mean, it, 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 her her spoilers on a cartoon that's ten years old. But her her uh, her arc where she ends up leaving is like very very heartbreaking. And then and it's the, awesome. And 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 you know as things happen later on when she starts appearing in other shit, it's like oh yeah, yeah, it's character ever. Yeah, it is. No, no, speaking. But, but but that's. I mean, that's the ideal. That's what everybody I think is going for. And then again, the douchey characters that you're probably seeing. I'm hoping that that's people's plan is to make that to soften that character as they go. Sometimes it's just an easy default. It's like you know, um, I'm. It's it's easy to play the douchey barbarian because that's kind of what they are, as opposed to you know, or the, pacifistic barbarian, the thief that steals shit. That all, all, the, all of those things. Right. If you're going to do one of those transformative arcs, don't play the long game. Yeah, you got to do it pretty quick. Let everyone else at the table know that there's a lot. I mean, yeah. first off, as who was it? Uh, Dirk G in the forum says that. Uh, uh, the real it's a, a player compatibility it's not PC compatibility friction between PCs whose players are comfortable with it is great right yeah. so but I mean yeah. and, and I think but don't if you're going to play a character that's going to transform go through the the, the, the classic douchebag to not douchebag story arc <laughs> the douchebag redemption story arc the douchebag redemption story arc <laughs> if you're going to do that don't play the fucking long game and say oh, I'm not going to even start not being a douche for 12 sessions <laughs> yeah. I mean come on show people yeah. that there's a light at the end of the tunnel even if they're I, even if they're into it, it it's going to get old I had a player who did that in uh one of my games who, who I, I don't know I don't know if he planned a redemption arc he was absolutely a, 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 a douche and, and all that horrible stuff but um, I don't know he never told me that he was on a redemption arc he never told the other players he was on a redemption arc and a lot of those players won't play with that guy anymore <laughs> so that may well, not be a character that problem back to the other half of his question which is uh, what do you do when you re- suddenly realize that your players don't all get along um, and I don't know if there's really an answer for that because as a as a GM, you with the best of intentions get people together that you like that are thinking you're going to play well together. And I know, you know, when when Kimmy's been setting out games, she's very careful about the personality she puts together. But it doesn't. There's no there's no formula for it. You don't. You can't really tell. You, sometimes there's people you think would get along don't. Sometimes it's the, it's the, oh, yeah. the game system. Oh, that's sometimes why I'm not in any of the games. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just saying that I don't know. Well, we've if there's cut a for that. We've cut I, back I, severely I, on the number of games we're having now. Too. <laughs> with the, with the, the best of intentions, you get a gaming group together, and then you know, and then as you just said, eight months into it, you realize to your horror that nobody's guys not really no, don't really don't like each other. They're just getting together to game and going away. Oh, what? have I done? Well, a lot of times that kind of solves itself because people, if they if, if they really are, are in a group that they don't feel they're compatible with, they're going to start making excuses to not be there. Unless unless they love gaming so much and have no other opportunity to do it, you're going to know because people are going to start making I don't want to play Sometimes it's a result of the game. Maybe they're just not that into it, you know. Which happens. Oh, sure, people yeah. are distracted at that point in their lives, or maybe just the game is going. It's just they're just not that into it this time around, and that's and that can cause people to be just sort of like not really there and not really bringing it. But um, 
I think if if you had if you knew how to get people together that are great, you should start as a matchmaker because <laughs> there's I I can't tell you I you know, there's no formula for that. No, and that's one of the advantages for me of of having cultivated many different circles of friends uh, is that when I run a game, I bring people in that don't necessarily know each other, but who couldn't. Uh, I think based on my interaction with them in you know real life, uh, might work together. And so, like this game that I'm running right now, uh, I've got uh, a, a guy I've gamed with for a, over a decade. Um, I've got my little sister, who I've never gamed with, but it's my sister. So, um, and so You've played games together your whole life. Well, I moved out when she was seven. Messed so. with her head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and a few, few other people, like somebody from Happy Jacks and, and such, and just grabbing here and there. And the, the party is working great together. So here's a, here's a bit of advice that I think Stu has sort of brought up in very soon. So I'm going to crystallize it, which is it, it's always a good idea when you first start a game to have an end point. Don't just start with an open-ended game. So we're just going to play this all dance. Because then, if it turns out your party isn't getting along, it gives you an out. Oh, yeah. Right? After seven sessions, when your story arc is completed, you can say, ah, that was great. You know, if it turns out the players are really hating Thank each other. You, oh, that was great. Yay. And right. we're, you know, we're done. <clears throat> but if it's going on, and Stu has done this with our party, he's like, this is a natural ending I have planned, but do you guys want to go on? then, you know, it gives them, but it gives you an out. Because if you just say, yeah, let's get together and game, and don't really have a, a point, and then you're stuck. Yeah. I actually had someone jump out after the first chapter of my game, because she just wasn't feeling it. Not the player. She had no problem with the player. She wasn't enjoying playing D&D as a system. I was like, alright, fine. It's not for everybody. Right. Um, but, you know, we were able to finish out the chapter, and then she went her character went her way and and we you know continued yeah. the rest of the game so i know also too that sometimes where you are in your life i've had games with the same group that i've had great times and i've had games with the same group which been, hasn't been as great and it's not them it's me and where i am in my head at that point in my life and that's you can't plot that out you can't there's no formula for that so and it's i mean it's an organic thing. Some some days I have great days, and some days I have bad days, and some days you get together on a bad day in a group, and you're not you're just not feeling it. So, right, uh, it's life. Like one of the one of the characters I played on the Happy Jacks actual play that got me the most hate was in that masks game when I made the inheritor of Mister Clean's powers. Oh yeah. Uh, like I, I got so many people that sent me comments about, I can't believe, man, you would just ruin the tone of that game. Like everybody else made these serious characters, and then you came in trying to be a joker, trying to be the funny guy, ruined it. Fucking you ruined Dave. masks. You ruined PBTA. <laughs> you should go jump in a lake. Like wow. Yeah. Like I got a lot yeah. of angry, angry <clears throat> PVTA fans that were upset at me not doing that when I was like, I legitimately had a tone conversation with the whole group at the table to on be like on camera or I, off camera. Th- this was pregame. Oh, okay, so right. it was before we did our character gen session because I had so this, this idea, and so I was the like, listeners didn't realize that there had already been a tone. 
Okay. Indeed, but I, still, I was like, "Oh man!" Even uh, you know, I've, I've even had the conversation with Adam because uh, he watched that game before he knew me, like before we had ever met each other, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and he was like, "When you made that character, I was real. Mm, I don't know about this guy. Like, I don't. I don't." know how that's going to work out and then he's like by the end of it i thought it was the most awesome thing ever like and i'm like that was the whole idea was i was not trying to play it to just derail the game into haha funny corporate sponsored superheroes it was no i i wanted to play this idea of a character that got famous powers right and had to deal with that being a teenager yeah, no, that that's a like, legit thing. Also, anyone who claims that an individual ruined an entire game system gives that individual way too much credit. Right? I was like, wow. I feel like I, there's a whole group that, of people it, that have published things. That, if you do have that power, to me first. if you do have that power, there's a couple of games I want to put you in. <laughs> yeah. I've had to learn not to read the comments. I just, <laughs> I just can't anymore. You know, and that's part of the thing of d- doing this stuff again as, in a podcast you're putting yourself out there and people are going to comment on you whether they like you or not and you can't believe either one they're mostly going to comment if they don't like you <laughs> turns out. Least speaking. 90 percent of people that take time to comment are angry people oh absolutely and i actually had a, again the conversation with a guy at work which is you know he's playing with he's dealing with a bunch of people that are roll players and he wants to roll it's a it's a new discovery for him he's like oh my god and he's he's um he's derailed and done made choices like these guys are metagaming sending notes to each other back and forth saying all right here's what we're going to do and you're going to do this and you're going to do this he goes no I'm, I'm going down the corridor right um and i had the explanation about how those are the moments people remember i still get people giving me shit about my sorcerer walking down the corridor That's right nobody remembers what happened before or after that moment nobody really does but everybody remembers me doing that and i said those are the fun moments of the game those are the stories that you tell around the campfire later on it's those moments of, of character development of, of characters doing of playing themselves of doing their motivations because my character was uh, a, an arrogant sorcerer who who was spoiled um and he didn't realize you know where his magic powers came from and he kept and he got a whole bunch of new powers he's like i'm i'm invincible i'm gonna go try my new power set yay basically and, gods <laughs> right <laughs> you know it's, and and got his ass kicked but and, and the whole party was doing the meta thing all right we're gonna do this you're gonna do this and we're gonna do that i'm like you guys talk i'm gonna go down and see what's in the corner Oh yeah, they and, were they were all set up. They were like, "We're going to do this the right way. Everything's going to be perfect." And Storko's strolling off in the opposite direction and triggers this horrible thing that they all kind of figured was going to happen, and it was awesome. And it was also one of the longest combats we've ever had ever. Right, right. Because I, I put you guys. And, they had there were it was a a character. It was a monster. I made I made up myself, and it was sort of a controller class, and basically would grab onto you and pull you. And that kept doing that to the party healer. And kept pulling the party healer away from everyone, out of range of being able to heal them. And they're like, fuck! And they go chase after them. It, it wasn't a TPK, but it was a, it was a hard combat. And I do remember we had all gotten up to a new tier, so we all had new powers. And our normal defender wasn't there, so somebody was playing a defender that hadn't really played one before. So there, there was a bunch of learning going on anyway, because nobody knew what their new powers could do. Oh, yeah, everyone then, had just leveled up. That's know, right, I everyone just, had just, just leveled up. I sort of did a whole... Uh, um, you did what you do. Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> yeah. Leroy Jenkins. Um, but, but anyway, the, 
those are the moments that people talk about. And which is not to say that everybody needs to go and start throwing wrenches into their games. I'm just saying that oftentimes those those choices that aren't great make for the best stories and oftentimes make for a much more interesting uh, combat or, or interesting scene than you ever would have had if everybody just played it safe. I agree. Now, um, yeah. we're, we're running a little long, so I'm going to skip the next email. We'll do that next week. But I wanted to mention, because um, you know, Storkat, I'll be careful about what I say, but the second season of Mandalorian, the last episode dropped on Friday, and I and I didn't start why. Well, I, 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 I no longer, I won't wait for shows. So I didn't start watching season two until last week. So I could watch almost the whole thing, and then the last yeah, episode awesome. dropped yesterday, that's... and I watched the last episode. Uh, How did you avoid spoilers that whole time? Because I can barely do it. Like I, I, I didn't. One I, day. Yeah, I couldn't. Twenty-four to forty-eight hours is the longest I can die. I, the I couldn't. I yeah. couldn't. I didn't. I mean, I, I found out all <laughs> kinds of big surprises inadvertently because people post shit and they don't think about it. So I'm like, oh, it's I'll, not even people. Just news articles come out. It's like suddenly there's a shot of Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, and you're like, oh, I guess that's a thing that's happening. No, I wasn't going to mention. Couldn't that, avoid but, it. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're t- the, first off. It is the most fan servicey show I think I've ever seen in my entire life. So much so, it's funny. Because every, yeah. the exact thing that I want to have happen in every fucking scene is exactly what happens. Or it's something better than what I could think of. Every goddamn time. So, I mean, because I have two criticisms of, of what's, what's, what happened in the show. But I just want to say off the top... Series one is fantastic series. Absolutely loving it. And I love the fact that it's basically kind of a Western. Like, even more of a Western than, like, the original movie was. It's, like, way a samurai film rolled into one. It's right. Yeah, it's I mean, just, it's he, just... he, he's literally taken shots exactly from, like, uh, uh, the Kurosawa films and, and like, like, the exact shot. And is there the production side by side comparisons? It's, everything yeah. about it is just fantastic. The production value, the, the, it's just great. The two thing, I have two criticisms. One is something that did not start with this. It started, I want to say, with the Force Awakens. No, it started with Rebels. Okay. And it was an episode of Rebels where three of three or four of the old clones are retired, and for some reason they're not dead. And you know which episode I'm talking about? And they end up dressing like, up as stormtroopers. It's like only one of the f- f- like four episodes yeah. of Rebels I've actually seen. Okay, <laughs> and, and there, there's like these big giant walking land machines. That yeah. that episode. Okay, so at one point they end up putting on stormtrooper armor, and one of them is making a comment about the fact that he can't he can't hit anything because he can't fucking see. Right, so this so this all goes back to the original series where you, the stormtroopers don't shoot, don't hit anything, right? And it's it end and ends up becoming where it started out as just simply a, a thing that was probably never never designed. It was probably simply a matter, you know, probably in the in the script, someone would write the scene. Okay, there's a there's a hail of blaster fire as so and so and so and so run across, and then this happens, right, or what, things like that. So they 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 want it to look dramatic, so they have a bunch of, of blaster fire happening everywhere, right? Lucas sure. probably when he wrote did the first movie never intended to make it a running joke that that stormtroopers can't hit the side of a fucking barn. Of course not. Right. Why would you do that? Right. Furthermore, someone, and this is, God, this has got to be 10, 12 years ago that I saw this. Someone did a, a meme 
where they put a bunch of frames and they sort of put up this, this by studying the films, the, the, the original three, realizing that the stormtroopers don't hit anyone whenever Luke Skywalker's on the screen. Did you ever, did, has any of you seen this meme? And they went, someone went scene by scene and said, okay, when, when the stormtroopers are actually shooting and actually hitting people, Luke Skywalker's not in the scene. And the theory behind that is they all know that, that Luke Skywalker is a, is a uh, priority target and is not to be killed. They may not know why. But they may not know it's Darth Vader's son, but they, they've been—they've been ordered to not shoot him. So oh, I'm aiming high. So, so someone came up with this whole, whole, whole sort of thing to sort of explain this coincidence, which I thought was really kind of cool. But then, in then in this episode of Rebels, they came along and they said, "Oh, I can't see." So they they sort of canonized the fact that no stormtroopers just can't hit anything, and they can't hit anything because their helmets are shitty. You know, and I like Bill's explanation for that better. Just to, just, right. just, just to jump but this, it, which is it, it's the the weapons that are made by the lowest bidder in a galaxy in a universe right. full of low bidders. The, but the here's my problem: the guy that I didn't get to my problem bid. yet. So, so so it's become even it became even more of a joke in in uh, uh, Mandalorian, Mandalorian in Mandalorian because someone makes a comment about the stormtroopers all oh, they can't hit the side of barn or something to that effect so it's now even more canonized and it all it did is make them inconsequential and now you get a, a situation where it's like anytime oh there's a bunch of stormtroopers here. Well, why the fuck are you worrying about them? Everyone knows they can't hit the side of a fucking barn. Just kill them all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So There's you, even a scene with two stormtroopers sitting there talking about it yeah. in one of the episodes. Oh, yeah. But the whole, th- the whole thing is they, they, they turned what, what started out as just you know a, a dramatic choice, and they've turned it into canon, and now you have now your stormtroopers are no longer a threat. A threat. And they're no longer they're a not, threat. Not, not the elite cool right. troopers that they were supposed to so, be. Yeah. So what do they do? They have to come up with more elite things. <laughs> Which is like, okay, whatever. The other thing, and, and this is just like a, a minor bitch, is the name. The name pissed me off. I was like, really? The name The Mandalorian? No. The, no if you haven't seen the series, if you haven't seen oh, the series, oh, oh, oh. you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But the name, it's like someone oh. someone swallowed a fucking Scrabble set and puked up and like, "Yeah, that's good enough." I'm like, "What now the fuck?" What yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a like random Lucas name generator and you got to pick the right one. You don't just I pick think, the first one that comes up. <laughs> I I think the problem with that is also that they they just made it into a, such a thing. Like the fact that they didn't give a name for so long. Yeah. And, that's true. You know, and it, by the time they finally did, everybody was so anxious to find out what it was. Yeah. That uh, uh, you know, that you know, like people, you know, people came up with the common parlance that will never go away. Yes. Right? Because yeah. that's the term that my kids all use. Look, they bought me a freaking Christmas shirt with right. it. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. Like <laughs> Oh yeah, no. It, it, uh, it definitely in be, a universe it, with a guy named Dooku. Come on. <laughs> you know what? It's on that level. It's on that level, and it's like really stop. And besides, if if uh, if Hodor can can be completely ruined by hold the door, then you know that that's that's the worst ever. I don't see. I don't mind that as much Ugh. because Hodor itself is not a stupid name. <laughs> Hodor. Is it though? 
No, it, 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 it's the name you would kind of expect for the village idiot. And, and it, it fits. It fits. The backstory behind it's a little weird, a little lame, but it fits. But this, it was like no, it's like um, it's Snoke's the big bad guy in the in episode Snoke. seven. Snoke, Snoke. It's like what the fuck is that name? Where'd you come that's, up with that? That's uh, that's, that's not ominous. Snoke with an N. That's not it's, ominous. It's just or come on, snake with an O. Yeah, that too. Yeah. See, it's, a, then, it's it's a sna- it's a snaky smoke or a smoky snake. Yeah. And and Windu or, or uh, yeah, Mace Windu was supposed to be windy originally, like windy draw. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That would be it terrible. Was, it was windy. Oh, oh, I would I would pay. I and would I'm pay. like I'm like you're really gonna have the world's baddest Jedi named Windy? That's like naming someone would, fart with I a would, pH. I would pay. A significant amount more than it costs to take my whole family to the thing <laughs> to see the prequel Star Wars movies with Samuel L. Jackson doing a windy George <laughs> through the whole thing for all of these windows lines. Yes. That would be the best experience I can imagine. Like it can't be better. <laughs> Lucas has a very strange name thing generator anyway. It's not I mean, him he's anymore. Got like, Tatooine is a really weird name. It's I think tat- the lexicon now. Tatooine. It, 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 it that sounds like a well. That to me, it just sounds alien, which I think is cool. Some yeah, of the, the, some of the naming is fantastic. Darth Vader. Darth Vader's a fun, fact, fucking fantastic name for a yeah. villain. That's a great fucking name. Yeah, even though it literally means like dark father. But yeah, um, but uh, uh, I mean, Luke's Luke Skywalker was originally supposed to be Star Runner, Star Killer. Star uh, no Star Runner, and then Star Killer, and then Skywalker. I think. Yeah, he's hit or miss with his names. I gotta say. I mean, there's, there's some, yeah, there's some. But I, I know what you're saying, and I, in the in the pantheon of, of I mean, even Lord of the Rings, there's some names there that are so hard to pronounce or read that you get frustrated and just gloss over them. Well, yeah, but I, I, I mean, you kind of would I mean, expect that from. And Elven why names. would you name your two villains so similar? There's Saruman and okay, Sauron. How, yeah. how am I supposed to keep these two separate in my head? Had had yes, that problem the first to, time I ran it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we shall go. We shall go to this math. This. Uh, uh, immensely fantastical land and, and city of Rivendell, and we shall we shall cross you know cross the the Emin Wheel and the horrible plains, all to take it to Mount Doom. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's a it's an ongoing problem in fantasy novels and stuff with bad naming and just in some people, are, yeah, you can't win. No. That was like he asked his niece or nephew, like. What's a good name for a terrible mountain? <laughs> and also, it looks like two spin-off series announced. Three. Three? Off, many, off of, yeah. Off of... Off of what's the third? I didn't catch the third. I caught the one in the last episode. Obviously, that was in the end. If you have yeah, not then, seen the last episode, the only thing I'm going to say is watch all the way through the credits. Oh yeah, yeah, I got to watch yeah. past the credits. Yeah, watch all the way past the credits. There's a That's thing. the only thing I'm going to say. No, no. See, no I was doing it. I like, I like yeah. the artwork. See, no, that's, that's, so that's Jolene, cool. Jolene is saying names are hard. I don't know if they are. I don't know if names are hard because I think that you. I mean, especially if you're talking about when it, it's 
something like, yes, a GM sitting there trying to come up with a name off the top of his head. I've come up with the shittiest names that anyone's ever come up with. So I have, sure. I have no room to criticize. But I mean, no, if you've you came got... up with a perfectly good name, you just use it for everybody. <laughs> okay, well, that's different because it, it, it's. <laughs> like, you come up, Abigail's a perfectly good name. It is, for and it's. A character. Ve- especially in that period of time, it was probably very popular, I would imagine. It was a, probably a very common name. And there, I think there have been a lot of first ladies that have had that name, too. At least one. Abigail Adams. Right. Wasn't Abigail? But again, you've come up with great names. Birdstaff is a remarkably great name. But then, you know, <laughs> Abigail is sort of uninventive. But it, it's not that you're not inventive. It's just sometimes you just don't come up with a great name. Look, I, I have been known to take hours when playing a freaking video game. To come to, up with like, the right name. I get through character creations, like, name your character. And I'm like, oh, damn. And yeah. I'll walk away. I'll yeah. go make lunch. I'll come back. I'll go. Mm, because I'll there's no going back books. once you name your character. Yeah, you're stuck you with know, that like, name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I, so, I will. Yeah. I will make. I will make characters that have two names, not like a first name and a last name, but like have two completely different names. One is an alias, just because I can't choose between the two. <laughs> Like, well, he used to be known as Blank, but now he goes by this name. <laughs> That's part of a secret past. <laughs> when you finally come up with a good name you like. Which, uh, by the way, uh, I cannot recommend highly enough watching the trailer for Nobody, if you haven't seen oh, it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I keep Bob, seeing ads for it. But. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk uh, as, like, a dude that's... It's it's the Bob Odenkirk John Wick, like yeah, same director and the people saying it takes place in the same universe. So it's it's Ooh, uh, yeah. they, oh that they, makes the it style better. is similar. The the storyline is that crosses over. So if you like John Wick, you're gonna love. My name is nobody. Freaking freaking love John Wick. The, the series of movies yeah. are they're so well done. I remember I walked out of the first John Wick movie and I was like, oh, damn, I got to go home and look up the source material for this because it's so good and it gave you just enough tantalizing tidbits of world building that you're like, ooh, I want to know more about all this. And then I got home and I'm like, wait, it came whole cloth from some... (laughs) <laughs> this is this is the source material. It, it, yeah, exactly. It's like it's like the Underworld series that uh, Kevin Grievous uh, wrote and pitched for however long. And, um, but uh, uh, no, I actually took a bit of the John Wick universe into my current game be- with the the coins. Uh, it's like people they keep finding these coins that are that look like regular currency, but they're a hell of a lot heavier. Because they're made from a different metal, mm-hmm. um, it's like instead of silver, they're made of osmium or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it's like, wow, this is a really heavy silver coin, really heavy, heavy silver coin, um, and they're used as, as in like the John Wick style of you know, I'm paying for this with this coin, um, or you know, I'm paying. This is essentially a favor token right. kind of thing. So funny you bring up osmium. When we were playing um, champions back in the day, that was our adamantium was osmium because it's like the rarest metal in the world. Right? It's the densest. Yeah. It's so that was like our our adamantium uh, yeah. Um, parallel. Yeah. Oh, and that's had, actually good. I'm dead. Oh, uh, have, have anyone had a chance to power through season f- five of uh, the Expanse yet? No, I have not. I haven't I'm, even. I haven't I'm even finished season, season three. on Ted Lasso. Ah. 
which is delightful. I, I, I haven't even finished season three of the Expanse. I have to go back and start from the beginning. I should start all over. I started again, watching. Your Foundations coming out too. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, there's going to be oh, a Foundation series. Yes. Yes. Wow, well, that cast and that's, they already started shooting. Boy, I hope they modernize it because I just recently read those books and they don't fucking hold up. I just started reading them and I actually still like them, but yeah, they are a little they're not, super they're not bad. I mean, they're written in the fifties, so of course they're super fucking sexist. Super fucking sexist. Yes. The first oh, yeah, thing I, I noticed is I read through the first. Because I, 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 re- I just reread the trilogy. That was that was my impression of iRobot when I read it. Oh yeah. Which, I mean, I read iRobot. It was already sixty years old at that point when I read it. So. Um, speaking of Apple TV Plus shows, if you haven't had a chance, I also very very strongly recommend For All Mankind. Um, it's a show done by Ron Moore, the guy that was the the head on Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. Ooh. And he was one of the writers on Next Generation uh, and Voyager back in the day. Um, but it's uh, like alt-history early space race Ooh. show. So like the show starts with Sputnik, and that's like the connection to our world. And, and that's where Divergence spirals off okay. into oh, so- different historical thing. Um, but it has like all the names you're familiar with. Like if you've ever watched the right stuff or you know the early Mercury Seven astronauts and all that, like all of those people are characters in the show. But, but then- it departs from our world onto a separate timeline pretty quickly after Sputnik. Cool. Very cool. Now, how, much, up on my feed. how much is Apple? How much is Apple? That Apple subscription? Like four ninety nine a month or something. Oh, it's not expensive. No. no. Okay, because I, I need another monthly fee. Like I need a hole in the head. So I've been avoiding <laughs> even looking at what they have on Apple TV. Yeah. I know that just after, like, into the new year, we're supposed to get season two on For All Mankind. Also, now do you have so, to like, do you have to have an Apple a device in order to stream this shit. Yeah, you can do it off a of Roku. I don't have a Roku. I have an I Xbox do. One. Yeah. Can you do it off? Here an we Xbox? are giving all sorts of advice here for gaming. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably. Yeah, we'll <laughs> all right, I'll play we're getting, this out. We're advertising for Roku, and we don't even. Uh, what the fuck is this thing? What is going on? Okay, so anyway, sponsored by beer. I would thank you, New Holland uh, <laughs> Brewing Company, for sending me a, a free bottle of beer and a little gift package. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very thankful, and I will uh, put all the hashtags that, that you want me to super put. Super cool. Now that I'm a it beer is. influencer, <laughs> I will. Uh, I will continue to uh, be a consumer of your beverage as well because I find it delicious. And I'll, 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 I'll set this. Try it. I'll set the care package aside for you, Dave, so you can. Stu puts the fluence in beer. In. Influence. I put the flu in beer influence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, come on. Play. Beer and beer fluenza. <laughs> beer fluenza. <laughs> on viral. <laughs> beer influencer. <clears throat> Play. There it goes. Damn thing. Thank you for joining us for season 27? 20, what is it? 27? 27. 27, episode 19 of Happy Jacks Over Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. I'm Kadave. And I'm Kurt. Thank you for putting up with us today. <laughs> and, we'll, and I think we might see you next Friday, next Saturday. Uh, yeah, I think we should be next Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So join us then. Happy Jacks Over Slash Live. And we'll see you then. Stay safe. Thank you guys for showing up. We appreciate it. Oh,
preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs>